I am unashamed. What about you? So uh, welcome back to the award-winning unashamed. Unashamed. That for as long as we can. <laughs> you well, know that the listeners won. I mean, of course it, they did. And I, yeah. I told you, I held up the Bible and said this one because there's no other rational explanation. So it was interesting. So we mentioned, um, we talked, uh, one of the podcasts, pretty much the whole podcast, we talked about the behind the, behind the scenes of the award show. We didn't mention, Jace, that um, uh, two of your children were there, um, two of your sons, and uh, one of them uh, had his new girlfriend. And so you met her for the first time. We all did. I said, who planned this? I mean, I felt bad. Cause I'm like, it was an interesting first meet for sure. In the middle of this, you know, grand old Opry setting. I think I stuck my hand out, met her and said, I'm sorry that we're meeting in this circus type (laughs) atmosphere, but, but she seemed to, first of all, she was great. And, uh, and she seemed to be very, uh, uh, appreciative of everything we were doing there. So that was great. And then, and then, uh, Reed and Brighton were there, and they had your granddaughter there, and I thought that was pretty I think good. she was the only kid, and I say kid, she's less than two. Yeah, she's, she's like a year and a half old. And the plan was, you know, because when we were on vacation, you know, she she's a year and a half old, but every time I'm around her, she's terrified. Just like the rest of the world. Yeah. She's, just so, re- she's reflective of other people. I defended the position because I said, why are y'all upset that she cries every time she sees me? I want her to experience stranger danger when she sees somebody like me. This is positive. But they were, oh, no, no, we must break this, whatever they were calling it, yeah. this, this challenge. So they come up with a plan since we were in Nashville doing the award show, they're like, well, why don't y'all just take her back with you for the week? And this is the first time you've had her without her parents, right? Yeah. Yeah. I she think was the most quiet. She flew child. back with us. Yeah, she was amazing. Little, and and, and she, I never saw her. She never cried. Usually, it's well, at least they'll throw one temper tantrum. She and I played peekaboo all the way well, Trust me, all it would have taken is for me to reach up there and grab her. <laughs> And you would have had your temper tantrum. <laughs> so I want I thought people who have experienced this or are just curious about it, because this is kind of curious, because I've been around her a lot, but she, I mean, every once in a while I've gotten a wave or a kiss goodbye, you know, with the little, put, she puts her hand on her lips, but she, she was into a social distancing <laughs> with me. <laughs> So my son was she, like, I was she, impressed she didn't know that. with her being among on a jet aircraft, flying along there, you know, and not with her mom and dad, but with her grandparents. And well, she was, was sitting in Mrs. I was lap. pretty. Uh, I was impressed at how quiet the child was. She was, she was. and she and it was little. I know it had to be way it past her bedtime. We were. Of, this of is any eleven. Kind. This no, is eleven. That's how I got in bed at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> this, we were way past bedtime, but she stayed up and just played or yeah. laughed the entire yeah. time. She was really great. I was and, impressed with her. I was too. Uh, if, if all little children that age behave like her, be a wonderful world. <laughs> Well, right. And not to well, say that I we're gallivanting all over the place in private jets, but a huge fan of, of our podcast and support. Got us there and back because it was going to be yeah. really hard logistically for us to get there any other way. That's Because, right. I mean, we're. Yeah, I never did ask why you got the grandchild. And well, took off with her. She went on the jet and this, she never gave a whimper. I, I appreciate shocked. your patience in that. I did feel bad in that moment because I thought. She flew back with y'all? She did. And we were all, we had to go get her car seat. Just legally, yeah. we didn't want to break the law in Nashville. And and I'm not saying that, I mean, you, uh, the kid needs to be riding in a car. Usually seat. carrying a kid that age at 1 to 2 o'clock in the morning, most of the time, it gets a little loud. They get a little loud. <laughs> ah, no, she whining. was a perfect model, model. nurse, food, but not that one. Nope. She was just as happy as she could be. 
No, it was good. So here's what happens. That so, was a good sign, by the way, Jason. <laughs> so she gets she gets to our house. Everything's rolling along. Great. And so the next she's still looking at you warily. She's wary. Yeah. So the next morning she wakes up and it's sunshine and rainbows and so then but she she won't come over to me. And so like if Missy would leave the room and she looked around and saw me, that was what would trigger the crying. Which then made me feel bad. Because it's like, she's fine as long as she calls Missy Lulu. So when Lulu's in the room, we have so, peace and harmony. So as long as there's supervised visitation, she's But she's good. here for days, so it's like, so Missy, in a moment of tough love after day one of this, I mean, we all got along fine as long as Lulu's in the room. Uh-huh. So day two, Lulu just, she just goes for it. She gets up. Now, she did say, because this girl can walk, and she can actually run, which is incredible. She's like, I'm going, whatever she was going to do. She's like, you can come with me if you want. And Missy leaves the room. Well, she just took about 10 steps and just, (laughs) no, this was funny. She just like all, uh, everything in her body just goes limp, and she just plops down on the floor like, drama like i've never seen and just like you know and i just like how dare you leave and just she, she was making a point it was she made than, a point she was making a point the problem for her is the only person watching is me so i said hey knock yourself out because i'm not going over there and picking you up because i know what that's what that's going to happen it's going to be and we'd be level defcon four then so to my surprise you know, I I think I said, go ahead and cry it out. She'll be back in a bit. You know, so I I forgot what I was doing, but I I just was ignoring that. She's crying. Yep. So then I hear her like running, crying, and I look and she's running toward me. And I thought, oh, what what what? It's the first time she's come toward me. And so she got closer and closer, and I thought, what is she coming to me for comfort? So I thought, well, so I put my arms out, and she just dove in my arms. I I put her in my lap, and she just immediately quit crying. And she was doing that, you know, yeah. trying to catch her. <laughs> and then it hit me. I thought, well, I guess what this is, if I'm the only human left, <laughs> I am an option. You'll do. You will do if all other Available humans are gone. If Lulu is Jason, gone, when it comes to grandchildren <laughs> raising them, you might not come out with a book. Wait on a book. <laughs> uh, you're not. <laughs> I'm so glad you're I not... have such thick skin. Yeah, I was kind of proud of you. You're this. not quite book worthy, according to uh, that. You know, don't don't come <laughs> out with a book. How to take care of the grandchildren? No, but maybe she... even Dad could write a book together on it. That that would be the best. So that was who does this one belong to? Would be Dad's. Yeah, that was the first. <laughs> there was any shortcomings I have, it would be. Well, how big a role you played as a grandfather for you guys' children? I mean, I, I'm, I, I just I, to to your grandchildren, uh, more your greats as well. You're more of a Mount Rushmore figure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but none of them. I mean, they, in, they, they none do. of them jumped in my lap. No, there's no that. there's no lovey dovey. Hey, Papa, no, no. no. So the well, second, go ahead. I was going to say, to be fair, to, yeah, to be fair though, Phil, I, you were, that's the kind of uncle you were until you get to a certain, there's like a rite of passage, you know, yeah, th- but there was true. a moment where we developed a close relationship, but it was not when I was about six years old. It just, it wasn't then. That's you got, right. you, you, yeah, you got to, you got to be older. Zay, was there ever a time when you just looked around and nobody was left? And so you just ran to Papa Phil or ran to Uncle Phil? Uh, no, never. He was never a source of emotional comfort. He was never. Um, <laughs> but, but there was a time when we, when we connected, I was, I, I will say I was a full grown 
man when that happened, but then and we got to be really close. Well, dad, and now we dad are. Was more, yeah, dad was more of the uh, African mindset. Just wait and make sure everybody gets to adulthood, and then we can get about our bonding. So that's kind yeah, of that's his, what I, his yeah, mindset. Yeah, so you just got to get old enough. That's so my question, Jay's, is because I, I am proud that, it, that she came to you, no matter yeah. what the desperation was. I was, was surprised. So did, has that now opened the door? Does she? I thought, more... but it was still part of the process. So, because then when Lulu comes back in the room, I mean, she dropped me like a sack of potatoes. Sure. And so then later on, I tested it. I was like, come see J-Rock. Because that, that nickname stuck, by the way. Yep. And she's like, no. <laughs> she she answers very clearly. Mm-hmm. I was like, come see J-Rock. And she went, no. So I thought, okay. So it only there are some parameters of the relationship. Yeah. She she will she will go to me if she's totally abandoned. She she prefers me over just outright loneliness. <laughs> so, she didn't go to the dogs, you know, she nah, went to you. So but then so then we're into day three now. So but I think I found the the connecting tissue. So I was eating a a little package of peanut butter crackers. She heard that because I mean, this girl she loves to eat. Oh yeah, she's an eater. And uh, typical Robertson, I guess. Yep. And so she started getting close to me, and I was like, she heard the crinkle of the wrapper. But Lulu was in the room, so I was like, what? And I was like, oh, you want one of these? And she was like, yes. <laughs> so I handed. It. She loves peanut butter, mm-hmm. and uh, so she ate that. And so now she comes up there and she starts doing her fingers like this. And of course, I had to figure out what that was. I was like, "What is She's that?" She's a big sign. She has a lot of stuff. Yeah. She, yeah. So I went in there and got the. She 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 was making that that sound. I want that wrap those things in the wrapper. <laughs> so, I, so after I doled out about half a package of that, I actually think we've overcome the. Yeah, the initial shot. The chasm. We we fixed the problem, so they'll be happy now. Dad, that used to be yours for money. Remember, you'd you'd always give us the yeah. Boys, this is what you're going for. That long green. It's peanut butter crackers. Peanut butter crackers. Of course, raising girls, I would think, would be more difficult. Why I don't know, but it just seems they're definitely dramatic. It'd be more difficult than boys. Yeah, because I I don't like our little one that we had. You know, he's a boy, and he. We never had that problem, but we did have him, you know, from birth, pretty much. So, I mean, maybe that's the difference. So. Uh, you've had both, Zach. Well, how would you compare? Of course, your boys are a handful, but I don't know. Yeah, you've had little girls. Yeah, I would. I'd probably, I'd probably say the boys are more difficult. <laughs> they, they are, they are into a lot more. They tear up stuff. <laughs> they, Zach, they. Uh, Zach's sons are so destructive. <laughs> Oh, it's like, a, I mean, <laughs> and they were from you, such an early age. That's what's amazing. I mean, just like oh, they were. it was amazing what they could destroy. You, you did a sermon yeah, one time, I, and I've never forgotten it. You you illustrated with two of your sons. You talked about how one of them had taken this. You were talking about how hard it is to build something for good, but how that evil can tear it down so quickly. And you, you used an illustration of your sons about one of them spending hours building something. The other one comes in and I'm destroys shocked. it in seconds. I'm shocked that oh, all yeah. of y'all, all of y'all, all of Zach's kids and all of them, I mean, I would say just uh, uh, looking back at the whole picture of the kids that they started coming, you know, they started coming. But uh, as far as being well-behaved, I would stack them in there with the best of the best. I mean, they, y'all wouldn't let them go around just screaming bloody murder over nothing. I mean, they, <laughs> nah, well, some kids nah. are just sitting there hollering. You know, well, uh, we parented. I mean, everybody nah. understood the responsibility to raise your kids. Well, you got to realize we cause a lot of these problems. So I was so I think proud. Y'all, y'all did a, 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 a yeah. fantastic job raising grandchildren, my grandchildren. So good news, you can uh, now purchase up to a 12-month emergency supply of your current prescription medication, which wouldn't apply to you, Dad, because you don't take any prescription meds, but I do, so this is good news for me. Uh, One of our sponsors is a group called Jace Medical, and uh, they carry a wide variety of medications, uh, including ones that I need, cholesterol and blood pressure. Um, So... What you do is you're going to go online, you're going to fill out a form. Some cases you may have to jump on a quick call uh, with a physician. Uh, there's ongoing care. It's doctor created, 
and doctor recommended. So we had a really good discussion with these guys. I love where they're at. There's a lot of different things that can go on. I think I read somewhere that uh, just last year, drug shortages increased by nearly 30%. And when you put that together with the fact that most of our medications that we take are produced overseas, you can see where this will be a problem. So there's a lot of different uh, people that uh, that need this. There could be storms, shortages, pandemics. Of course, we got supply chain issues. So it's a great idea to be able to get your prescription and have a year's supply. Um, check them out. Go online, fill out a form, get your daily, uh, get your Jace daily prescription delivered right to your door. So here's what you do: go to JaceMedical.com, enter the code Unashamed at checkout. And you're going to get a discount on your order. So use the promo code UNASHAMED at jasemedical.com. Check them out. So this little boy, I was so thrilled because I was like, I'm teach this boy how to throw because he's obsessed with balls, you know. And, uh, and he likes to bounce them and all. So I was like working them for hours. I'm like, I throw the ball to him and course now he's he's almost a year and a half old he can actually catch and but when i first taught him how to throw well it was all i didn't realize the consequences of that because you know i'm i'm sitting on a couch and he had some toy in his hand this was like day three becomes a missile that thing come by my head (laughs) at about 70 miles an hour and bounced off the wall and made an indention indention in the drywall and missy's like no sir and i was like i taught him to do that (laughs) yes sir we're early yeah because i was like that was awesome (laughs) yes ma'am well it's so funny jace because so i had so i raised daughters and neither one of them were very athletic and so they didn't do much sports a little bit when they were young and so i never really got to experience much of that side of it but my grandson my oldest grandson corbin who's named after me so he and i have a close bond and so he loves ball he loves playing baseball he loves playing basketball it's just constant we're in the pool the whole time we're scattering because he's somebody's pitching to him and he's just hitting line drives in the pool and everybody's diving out of the way, you know, but it's like, so that's just kind of the way he is, kind of like what you described, but he's doing it at, you know, nine years old. So last night they played their last game <clears throat> and he struggled this year because it's pitcher, finally kids pitching to yeah. each other. And of course they're wild. And so, you know, he's afraid of the ball. You can tell you don't want to get hit. And so he just, it's, it's affected his hitting this year. And so he's a great athlete. He runs the bases great. He just hadn't hit very well. And so we've been, you know, his dad's working with him closely. And so last night, it's funny, the last game of the year, he finally, he finally just drove one to the wall and it was a triple one. Of course, I'm in tears, you know, it's so funny because I was so proud for him, you know, so he comes over, you know, and we're high five and we're talking about it. So the next time he was up, he gets hit in the back. So I'm watching him, you know, and he's he, for a minute, you know, and then he goes on down to first. I was proud of him. He didn't, you know, he didn't cry. A lot of kids will cry at that age. So he comes in. I said, what do you think, Corbin? He said, well, I learned a lesson today, Pat. And I said, what was it? He said, listen to your dad. And I was like, well, that's that's a good lesson. I said, what, what does that have to do with you getting hit? And he said, he told me it would only hurt for a few seconds. And he was right. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like he turned the corner. You know, now he's not going to be so fearful. He got that big hit. He got hit in the back. He, he ran on down to first. He was good. So Now that's part of the process, yeah, exactly. which makes it fun, you know. Right. Well, <clears throat> so everything's good then in your Oh, your I mean, set. look, couldn't be better. I mean, we I felt fine. I knew she'd come around. I I was kinda like Zach. I figured at some point she'll realize that I may look rough and scary on the outside. <laughs> Inwardly. But you're just a lovable fuzzball, Jay. Yeah, I'm lovable. So and that's why I do I do think I was like, Can you blame her for being concerned? I mean, I'm looking a little <laughs> rough here. You've been escorted out of the Trump Hotel. You know, so, yeah, that happens. <clears throat> so we're in, uh, if you're following our Bible study, we're in Luke uh, chapter 5. And we kind of made a, a transition, or we're about to make a transition. But we talked about uh, the fishing story in the last podcast of whenever, really, Peter, James, and John are all called. Because Peter was kind of the focal point. But James and John came along in the process because they were his fishing partners. So we told some of our fishing stories to go along with that. But in the Zach in the overtime, we were talking about some of the implications of of this story because there's so much rich stuff that's in there. I mean, it's just it's it's you know, him 
realizing his sinfulness when he says, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man, which was powerful. Another big one was because we know that expertise-wise, Simon, uh, in his mind, was more of an expert on fishing than Jesus. But what he realized in the moment is Jesus is the Son of God, and he created the fish. So he he gets the upper hand on that because he said, because you say so. You know, I'm gonna let it was that pretty mind. interesting that the, the the picking of the choosing of the disciples and then their their road to being followers of Jesus and spokesmen for him, uh, which is if you think about it, I mean that, that's a mouthful right there. But it is interesting that as you read these gospels, we're in chapter five, five chapter six, chapter seven. Chapter eight, and it was chapter nine, just this shy. Yeah, chapter nine, right in the middle of all this. It's coming up in a bit, in a few books, a few chapters later, when he sends out the twelve. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Their 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 mission, and he said, "The Son of Man." For the first time, the Son of Man. He he lets them know what's fixing to go down. And they they have no idea and, and didn't believe it because they didn't even know what he was talking about. It'll say that over and over. He said, uh, the Son of Man must suffer many things. Here's this, these newfound listening to him. And he referred, uh, he'll be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. He said, all I've got in front of me is trouble. And he must be killed. He's telling these young guys, fishermen, I'm going to die. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Well, none of them actually, Al, none of the ones he picked, none of them knew exactly what was fixed to come down. Nope. Yeah. They were all in a, a situation. Now, now, in Luke, it's Luke chapter 9, uh, Matthew chapter 15, about, half, about halfway in each book, they're finally told what Jesus finally told them, what he was going to do. He's, he's healing people. He's, he's laying a groundwork, but he waits to nine chapters. When Luke is recording this, he had to wait nine chapters before Jesus said, by the way, we're going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be, they're going to kill me. In three days, I'll be raised from the dead. And every time it, he mentioned that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all draw back and look at each other and say, what? Yeah. They have no idea at the far-reaching message. They have no idea how critical that is. Think about it. It's lifting the sins of, of the world. It, it's, it's forgiving the sins of the world. I mean, I, that's and it was just so Jesus was just slowly Right, getting them to where they would go out and say, "Okay, now I'm beginning to." But you'll get all the way to the end of the Gospels, and it's still saying they still didn't understand Jesus had to die, be buried, and raised from the dead. We're used to preaching it, and it becomes if it ever becomes too uh, too simple, people they they don't realize this is big. Yeah, even to this day. Right. Well, what Jesus did and what he said he was going to do and what he did do, and uh, he was resurrected from the dead. That's why he said, from then on, I have all the authority. Go make disciples. I've got you. I've got you lined out now. Right. But it worked out because over 2,000 years later, we're sitting here talking about it. Well, and that's what Heinz- but it helps to read how they how they approached it because they just didn't have any idea. No. What he was fixing because to do. they were living it, and so you know, when we were at the movie. I mean, we were at the uh, award show, they were asking me about the movie coming out, The Blind. And someone said, Well, is it, well, is it hard for you guys to watch it? I said, Well, it was way harder to live it <laughs> than to watch it. I mean, so but it was hard to I mean, watch, it was because it reminds you a lot of stuff. But I'm saying we lived that, that was our life, and so you know, we were part. So that's these guys, they're living this in the moment. We look back 2,000 years, and we read the stories about it, and we believe it. And so we have that that 2,000-year you know, high and view. He's showing with these, they were living it. He's showing with these disciples 
getting ready to show us as we get on over into the book of Acts how the Apostle Paul wants somebody you would never think was going to represent the Son of God. Right. And I mean, he's, he's, well, I think he's make, so confused, he's having them killed. But you make an important point, Dad, that discipleship takes time. That's right. It takes time. And so, you, and that's a great thing to remember when people come into Christ now, it takes time to be disciple, time. to understand the, the severity of a life change and what that means. So I think that's an excellent point. There's definitely a factor, and we're going to get to this a little bit later when we get to Matthew's calling, which is it's coming up in this same chapter. There is there is something that I think Peter, James, and John would represent, and that is, is that Jesus didn't choose people based on what you would think people would be chosen on. I mean, their, right. their credentials, their, you know, and the very people that you would expect him to come into the religious world to to be his entourage. Mighty strong is is being uh, labeled as not not worth it. So I call them. So my phrase for him is the untouchables. What do you call Jace? You call them something different. But the idea is that people that other people would say, uh, you know, I don't, you don't think you want to build anything on these guys. I, I think I call them social outcasts. Yeah, outcasts. That's right. But, and so that's kind of what this begins. And I think, I think Luke is making this a point by, by the way he put these three together. But I could be wrong. It just could, could be the. No, I think you're, I think you're right. Uh, I was going to make one comment before we do that, though, to Phil's point about predict, predicting the death, burial, resurrection, because a lot of people. When they read this story, they're like, well, where, uh, you know, about the fish. Of course, it was just symbolizing that they were going to catch men and that he would be their vocation, as it were. And you're especially going to see this when you get to Luke 6, because he seems to frown upon being rich and comfortable, right. well-fed. Right. And, uh you know, having joy and so, so which we'll, we'll get to, but cause all he did really was just tell them to throw their nets in deeper water, which you really couldn't see what was under the water. I mean, you know, cause people would say, well, he might've just, just known where the fish were. I mean, why, why is this such a big deal? Of course, it's the greatest catch ever. But when Phil said that about when he started predicting the gospel well in one of those and i think it's in matthew 10 or matthew 12 when he referred to that his prediction of dying and being buried and being raised in matthew 12 38 to 42 and he also does it mark 8 he compares it to the sign of jonah which i think is interesting because when you think about it when people try to get involved in the miracles I think if you have a story in the Bible about a a fish swallowing a man for three days, that's one thing. Because now, even in our society, in the last fifty years, they'll you know I see these things where they'll find a whale and it has a whole crocodile undigested, like in his in his gut, yeah, like still alive. And they're like, oh, maybe there's something to this Jonah and the whale. But what the miracle of the Jonah and the whale, well, then he was spit out at the at the place where he God, didn't want to go to. That, that, yeah, that he didn't want to go to, that God had him going. He was going the wrong way. <laughs> he was called to go preach somewhere, and he got on a boat going the other direction. And God said, no, I've got an express pickup for you in the belly of a fish yeah. to get you where you need to go. So, so I said all that. that to say that was kind of a long way because I think it's interesting that when you say, Phil, you know, well, they just didn't get it. Well, he's using an illustration that most people are not going to get. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to be like the guy who was swallowed by the fish and spit out at the proper location? Okay, yeah, let me mark that down on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the craziest things. Plus, yeah, you know, he did that twice. I mean, it's recorded. It's twice. a good point. I never thought about it either, Jay's. That I don't know how the Israelites would have viewed jo the Jonah story anyway, because the reason Jonah didn't want to go to these Assyrians is they were barbarians. Everybody hated them. 
They, they, they had, these were the guys that had the, the pyramid of skulls when they would go in and take a play. I mean, these were terrible people. And God said, no, nope, they're ready for a little preaching, so I'm going to send you in there. So, you know, I don't even think Jonah would have been a fan. He wouldn't have won the K-Love Awards. There's no, <laughs> nobody, nobody likes going in to preach to your enemies, right? That's it. Which is what he didn't want to do. All right, and you can't blame him, really. You know, I mean, it's it just... So I just think it's interesting. it's interesting. I mean, when you put all this stuff together, you hear these fantastical stories, and you're like, wait, what? That's why I think it was so important, before we move on to the outcasts, when he he comes back and revisits that in John 21. I mean, I shared that with my father-in-law last <coughs> time. We just got to talk. He's like, what what'd y'all talk about today? And he's like, I mean, that guy, he's been preaching for 50 years. He said, I never noticed that. I thought it was the same miracle. I was like. No, oh no! It, it was the same miracle. It was just at two different time time period. He, we we got our Bibles out. And he's like, "Well, I'm gonna preach on this." Different response. <laughs> Peter had grown. And I was like, yeah. "Exactly." So it's something I but don't I think a lot of, of people notice. I just thought of something else in this. You bringing this up that I hadn't thought about before. So he's asking them to leave and follow him when they just had the greatest catch they've ever had in their career. In other words, I think it was way more difficult than what. Oh, we're so into. I'm saying that equates to we're talking major money that they just brought in. That's right. And so he's saying, okay, leave all that behind now and follow me. In their minds, they're thinking if we get this guy to go with us, we're fixing to make a million dollars. It would be the equivalent, really, of that. Like when we went to the award show, and uh, it was pretty much Brandon Lake won everything he could win. He won about four. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, it would be the equivalent of him like on the way out. Then somebody comes up there and says, "Okay, great job. Now we're leaving the singing thing. Yeah, that's gone. We need uh, you to wait, come preach wait, somewhere. What? I just won. <laughs> this was the. Yeah, we're done with that. I got another job for you. Which is a huge point because a lot of people will use this passage to say that if you come to Christ, you're going to experience all this prosperity of wealth and health and. And things like that, but you may not. And you know, and and uh, I think the point of this is not uh, you get you get so honed in on the miracle. Do you that that last line that they left everything is is quite the statement and quite the. I think that's the point of it. They encountered the holy presence of God, and in and in the the face of the holy presence of God, they they the they basically well, Peter first said, "I'm a sinner. You know, get away from me." Um, and he was in fear. And then Jesus responded, do not fear. And then he directed them to their ultimate mission, which was, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Which, by the way, if you go to the, the last time when they threw the nets out and they filled the nets up, the only difference between the story was the nets didn't break the second time. Right. You know, Ooh, so they, know. They, they kept everything. They kept why everything do you think in there. Why? So, why do you think why? I, I have a theory on that. I was going to say it's because it's post-resurrection. It's showing the strength. Jesus is showing that in me, it's indestructible. That's yeah, what I, I that's what I was. I, yeah. That was my theory. Yeah. So I, get, I have validation. Jesus said, I, I'm not going to lose any of these. And I think that's the that's the assurance we can have of yes. our salvation, too, is, the, is that you know, we grew up in a, in a church tradition that taught you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out based on what you do. And you never could really know if you were saved. Um, I, this, that text that we just mentioned would be a text that I would go to to say, no, we, we, Christ didn't lose his people. You know, Christ, like when you're in, like his blood is sufficient. And, but, but I love it because the point of this text is not that you are going to experience prosperity here on earth. You may or may not, if it's in the will of God, but it doesn't even matter. That's not the ultimate, that's not the end of it. I mean, the point is we are on a mission. The disciples were on a mission to be fishers of men. We now have that same mission because of the great commission and we need to be willing to leave everything behind. And, and I, I think that's the call, you know, will you leave it all to go with Jesus? I think you're right, Zach. And, and I think that shows you the second time it happens. It's like a reaffirmation of everything that he told him the first time because you remember he sits down with Peter because they've gone back to what they know. They're fishing. He gives them another great catch, this time even more amazing than that stone break. And what does he do? He sits down with Peter and says, all right, from now on, here's what you're going to do. Feed my sheep. 
In other words, mm-hmm. your now your mission is going to be what we plan for it to be, and not to go back catching fish again because you're going to be catching men. And so that's why I was telling the story when you get to Acts one, two, and three. It's just like you see the implementation of that. As far as we know, other than him probably just always fishing like we do for food or whatever, he never went back to the old life that he had before. He, uh, he was now and the Apostle Paul, his job. I mean, he, he's he's representing. Uh, he's representing. The elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, he's he's going down there killing Christians and just stamp this thing out, shut it down, break it up. And he was doing that basically as a living. And yeah. then Jesus got a hold of him. And I mean, you talk about some and more training went into the Apostle Paul, went out in the wilderness three years or something and to, to get to get trained to do it. But he suffered way more once he got on the side, on Jesus' side, yep. than he did when he was going around killing people yep. who, who followed Jesus. Right. I mean, you talk about a conversion story, that's, that's one. No, and you make a good point because the whole time that this is going on that we read about, the three years Jesus is going around, Saul's on the scene. Yeah. He's un, he's in training. He, oh, yeah. We don't read about him, but he's there. He's there. I mean, he's a part of the Pharisee. Gamal trained him, which yeah. is the greatest Pharisee oh, yeah. of all time. So he he's what? being prepped as well. He just doesn't know it because his doesn't come to accident. No. And with Simon Peter here, I, I think it's interesting to think about his trajectory of preparation when you know when Jesus, one of the last things Jesus said to him uh, in, in John twenty one, he says, "Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go." And this was a prophesying about G, uh, Peter's own own crucifixion. And, and I, I, you think about this, you think, man, if this text here in Luke 5 is about temporal, earthly um, accumulation of wealth and, and prosperity, the, the, then this, the, the end of Peter's like, journey with Jesus would make no sense. I mean, and seeing Peter's trajectory and how much Peter was sanctified through his journey with Christ and how Peter responded at the end of all this. Yeah, there's still some issues there, right? Do you love me, Peter? I like you. you know, the back and forth on that whole thing, you know. And 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 Peter was then Peter's denial of Jesus, and then even even post resurrection, um, Peter was uh, struggling with racism in the Book of Galatians when whenever he became a Judaizer. Think of the Apostle Paul. Thank the Apostle Paul. He's going around performing miracles, big time miracles. He asked for a little relief from some kind of sickness he had or some kind of, I don't know what, what was wrong with him. Some ailment. Yeah, some ailment. But he was told by Jesus, hey, suck it up. Yes, right. My yeah. power's made, my grace, perfect. My my power's yeah. made perfect in weakness. He's like, oh, well, all right. But, I mean, as many miracles he performed, he said, well, you'd think. He said, oh, yeah, I'll fix that. But now. No, he, he which didn't. really which tells you which, what, about the will of God. I mean, the importance of trusting Him, no matter I'm, what. I'm that's, telling that's you, big. and you see this. Uh, you see Christ uh, in the Gospels. He's vacillating back and forth. It's, it's like a f- very fluid thing. But it, like, there's moments when He's performing miracles, casting out demons, clearly showing His divinity. And then there's moments when he's being persecuted and mocked and beaten. And, and it's like this, this tension that you're trying to hold. And, and, and what it is, it's the gospel. I mean, it's the God of the universe who condescends. And you mentioned earlier, Phil, about the, the, the death of Jesus and that he's saying, I've got to die. Like, and I think that's what made this, all this so provocative. Because there's these moments here where you're looking in the face of the holy God and you're only and he didn't want to He didn't want the forces of evil to know that. Because over in you know first second Corinthians in there, first two yeah. three he paid it. In other words, if they'd have known he was going to save the world, they wouldn't have crucified him. Yeah, they thought they were ending him. Yeah, that's why he said in the next chapter, he, and he, after he, or maybe this chapter when he cures the uh, man with leprosy, I think he says, "Don't you know? Don't tell anybody," because he's preserving this. This the, the, he's paving the way for his own crucifixion. And and that and to me, there's a power in that because when you see the power of God, your response is, "I'm a sinful man." Uh, you know, get away from me, Lord. And what's funny about that statement 
is what Jesus was actually doing was the complete opposite of that. He was recognizing that, that we are sinful people, but he wasn't getting away from us. He was actually coming to us. He was here on earth. He not just coming to us, allowed us to touch him and, and kill him so that the Holy Spirit could live in us. And you start thinking about God's presence in this capacity and what Peter is actually saying here, Christ is like, you don't get it. <laughs> no, I'm not getting away from you. I'm going to live in you. And that, to me, that is, that is power. That's real power. Yep. Well, I want to read this, uh, this text, this next um, guy he runs into, because there is a lot of uh, really rich stuff that's in there. And I think yeah. it kind of kicks off this idea of the untouchable. And, and before you read it, I think you see this one concept of people thinking that because we're sinful that we can never have ministry or share Jesus or I think people think that there. And so when Peter said, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. I mean, Jesus's response was, don't be afraid. You'll catch men, but that's very profound. So don't hide behind, Oh, I'm too, I'm too bad and to ever try to help somebody else. I'm not worthy of it. Yeah. And so then I think, so the, so this next story, it goes from, you know, your own sin to this guy is a social outcast. Yeah, exactly. By, by the law. Right. And so it's, it's like Luke is, is, ha, has a little collection yeah. of, of people that for whatever reason, which you see someone's sin or fear or, they have a disease or they're, you know, they're outcast or they're paralyzed or unable. I mean, in each of these stories, you see Jesus have this interaction and is engaging them, yeah. which is, so you're like, what, what is he, what, what's, what's he trying to get us to see a picture of? Him? And just to preview that, so you got this guy we're about to read about, then you got the paralytic, which couldn't get to Jesus because he was paralyzed. So he was untouchable because, but he had four friends to get him there. Not like these are all the excuses for right. why you fall through the cracks in society. Exactly. And Jesus is yep. somehow or another getting you out of the cracks of society saying, oh no, I can use you. And the third guy, of course, becomes a, one of the 12, which was Matthew, who's a tax collector, which we'll get to that as well. All right, so let me read this. This is Luke five twelve. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And I think we've mentioned this before, but most of your margins will tell you that's not necessarily what we consider leprosy. It could be any skin disorder, but we'll talk more about that. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, and this is what you were mentioning, Zach, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And then 15, and yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And, and Luke mentions that more than I think any of the other gospel writers. And I think it's to your point you made earlier, Zach, it shows the humanity of Jesus. I mean, one thing is he just got tired of people. I mean, he just needed to withdraw into himself. But when he did that, he prayed. And think about this, this is the son of God that's, you know, having this prayer life, which shows you yeah. how important prayer is, right? Well, and I think also you're going to get to Luke 6 about him being Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, you got to remember God did create the earth in six days and then he rested. Well, he didn't rest cause he was tired. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, we're so busy. I mean, I find rest, which I know we'll get this when we get to Luke six, but I, I'm just making a point. These, the reason I think we were asked to uh, present that, worship song of the year award when we did that because i mean my wife and i are really headlong into the worship world but we use that in our own personal life is like 
it, it's your prayer time. It's your it's your time with God. It's your reset. It's mm-hmm. I mean, I may be doing it on the way down here, and I turn on a worship song, and, and it's a there's a there's a rest and a clarity to what the mission at hand is here. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like when I read that, I mean, I got that from Jesus. Is my point. He he would do these great things, and everybody's rolling, and then he. He he's with the Father. He's having a conversation. I mean, that's what relationships do. There's a reset there. There's an encouragement from those moments. There's something to do with connecting with the Spirit that lives in you, and there does have to be a withdrawal at times to do that. And people have different ways. We get asked a lot of questions about what do you guys do in your own personal devotion, and how do you connect to the Spirit. But it what it all is different with me. Jace is more worship and singing and worship songs. Mine is more just diving into this. When I'm when I'm into the Word, when I'm reading, when I'm connecting, when I'm praying, I pray throughout my Bible study, whether it's doing a sermon prep or something else. That's when I have my best connection. But I can't do that in a room full of people when they're asking me questions every five minutes. I have to be somewhere by myself to have that connection. So I mean, w- people have that and find that in different ways, but you need that. I mean, I think Jesus shows us that He's the Son of God, yeah. and He's showing us that. You no, know, there's a word that happens from time to time. Oh, he was a solid Christian, or she was a solid Christian, and they just burned up, burned out. They burned out. They, yeah. just, they just didn't take time. Well, you to, can get so busy doing the stuff that you forget this is its not really about you. So, you know, I think when you're having this interaction with the Father and even in the Spirit yeah. with worship yeah. and you're focusing on Jesus, it's a reminder that... You know, I'm not trying to go out and do all this stuff, or you know, I, I'm. I think it's you're looking at the big picture in those moments. That's where right. the clarity's coming from. So you don't feel alone yeah, we, then either. We had Good. a guy. Uh, we had a guy come to our house when we. Um, I was probably about 12 years old, and my dad had just. You guys remember the story about our family, obviously, because y'all were involved in it. But so my dad was a pastor in Gainesville, Florida. And was fired, really, I would say, for just understanding grace for the first time. Um, you know, we grew up in the uh, Churches of Christ. And historically, you know, back in back in those days, there, you didn't teach grace. I mean, it was a very legalistic workspace system. And and I remember my dad got uh, fired. So we, when I was 12 till I was about 16, we, we met in homes. And it was hilarious because one of the local uh, guys from the local Church of Christ came by to visit us. And, um, he brought us a bunch of groceries and all this stuff. Cause, and he said, I just want to tell you, uh, um, I'm so sorry about your house burning down. And, and we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I got this card that y'all were burned out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they meant oh. burned out, like you said, Phil, but it was in reality. <laughs> it happened. Uh, <laughs> I never did. I never heard that story. No, neither. Right? Well, you're talking about Mr. No Depth Perception. <laughs> <laughs> or burned out. Oh, you mean your house burned out? <laughs> the guy's like, Your house didn't burn down? My dad's like, No, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, Well, I got this car. Yeah, who put the out. fire? Y'all are burned out. Who put the fire out? Yep. He said, Well, sit down here and, and I'm going to explain to you. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when you think about rest, though, I think uh, one of uh, our pastors at our church preached uh, uh, Sunday. We're, right, we're in the book of Ephesians. Um, and he said that the, he had made a great point that the cure for exhaustion isn't necessarily rest. It, it's it's wholeheartedness. And I think that like, it's not just that we retreat and go sit around and do nothing. It's I think the cure for exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion, is to is to connect wholeheartedly with the mission of God, which is why it's important here in, in Luke five. You notice what Jesus does here with Peter before he even gets into the, the leper. I mean, all, all these things are pointing to, like, bring people into wholeheartedness, into God's presence, into connection with him. And when and when we're connected with God, when we're that, that's what you were made for, by the way. You were made to worship him and connect with him. So when you're living out your purpose and your design, you're, you're wholeheartedly into something, that's when you experience rest. That's when you experience what Phil uh, coined the phrase, uh, the rarest of commodities is peace of mind. I, I love it when you say that because I think that's what people are looking for. And it is rare. It's very, very rare because we're trying to get it through other things. And when you get spiritually exhausted and you get burned out, it's it's not because you're you're too in tune with God. It's that you're trying to earn something. 
you're you're trying to to muster up your own spirituality. Well, the Apostle Paul and, said, "You don't want to be running and and beat like a man beating the air." <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, too too fast, too much. Yeah, too quick. So sometimes it's yeah. just sit back and rest in what God has done, and yep. God is in you. And so in your quiet time, it's it should be intentional. You know, connecting with him, seeing him, seeing him in nature, seeing him in a, on, on a long walk. I mean, these are things that we don't even do anymore. We don't even get out. You do, Phil. You get outside every day. I mean, which I think is one of the reasons why you're such a spiritual person, because you're in God's creation every day, all day. You know, we, these are things we do. Very possible. Well, that had nothing to do with the man with leprosy. Well, it did, it did at the end when he did. said he withdrew. But and I yeah. think it's important because when we get to the Lord of the Sabbath, so I'm, I'm glad we talked about it. But I guess, do you want to get into the yeah, – uh, this was a bombshell. Well, we, we, well the, to, be, but to be fair, Jace, no one ever accused us of staying on topic, so <laughs> we, we, it's okay. That's we right. can we, take, so, we chase our rabbits. It's, it's, it's part of the – So I invented – I don't even know what <laughs> staying on topic means. <laughs> <laughs> and you prove that at the award show. You just do your own thing. So uh, we're out of time. But this was a bombshell is all I was saying. Yeah. That this he didn't have to touch this leper. We need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. we're going to so. flesh this out some more, no pun intended, uh, in the uh, overtime. And then we'll probably talk about some more because this kind of kicks off this untouchable group of people. Yeah, so. and we're going to talk about social distancing exactly. and vaccines. By the way, appearing uh, in, in that, uh, the great house up there, what is it, uh, where the country and western singers? Na the Grand, Grand Ole Opry. Opry. That's Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. I thought on both ends of the stage, I said it'd probably be a, be a, a walk-up. You know what I'm saying? Because in the front, there were no ways to get on the stage. Well, we just missed it. We got to get over that. Yeah, yeah I got out and out. Took got a right. I got to running into people with uh, wires coming out of them. And, and but who had your back? back and who I'm, had your back? Because I knew that was the wrong way. But you know what? I went with you because you're my dad. And I was like, well. You went. I, I, I thought we were back in the wilderness with wandering. All right. So there was probably more it. than one of idiots. If you want to follow us over at blazetv.com slash unashamed for more of this riveting lost discussion. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.